0: Welcome to Feminine, the podcast dedicated to the feminine lens on mental health, the healing arts, and spirituality. My name is Priscilla Alexandra Hine, and I am a licensed practitioner of the healing arts and licensed clinical social worker in the state of California. full moon in Gemini lovely church thank you for being here with me as we come full circle together for the final full moon of 2019 (laughs) yes my friends 2019 is almost over let's just take a minute and process that together okay i'm gonna do a deep breathing exercise please follow along with me we're gonna inhale for four seconds hold it for seven and exhale for eight let us breathe ready inhale My incredible friends who have journeyed this summer and autumn with me as we prepare ourselves to enter the winter solstice, which lands on the 21st of December, we are really preparing to enter in a a profound time in our lives. And what I mean, you know... (laughs) Okay, maybe, okay, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. Maybe not everything in the world is profound. I think oftentimes, because of the age of communication that we live in, everything is profound right? This is, this is gonna be the greatest full moon we've ever had, right? Or, um, this is the most intense election we've ever known. You know what, I'm pretty convinced that every election at this point is always going to be really intense, because so far, every time I've been alive, everybody has been stressed out every single election season. And I don't foresee it changing. I foresee it only remaining the exact same, and both parties being disappointed when their side doesn't win. (laughs) oh god we have been journeying with one another navigating the sociological shift that has occurred in the united states of america because of a really intense administration but when we've been stepping back we realize that it's not the administration it's the movement and fulfillment of mm, systemic change because of sociological advocacy and pressures put on the system for change. So it's actually been a really beautiful thing at the heart of it. Has it been quite difficult? Yes. Have many relationships struggled? Absolutely. But I'm starting to see a lot of reconciliation coming forth, so I'm excited about that. And I also hope that people are able to realize that You know what? It's life, okay? Election seasons in the United States of America are exhausting and nerve-wracking for the globe. Because U.S. Americans don't realize how impactful our consumerism and um, capitalism lens is on the rest of the globe. So when we have an election, it's a really big deal. We are a massive country, my friends. I'd like you to compare us to Japan, okay? Or, hmm... Gosh, Italy, Spain, we are a big country and we are ruled primarily with one government. So it's really important that we recognize the power that we have as a society and as a culture when it comes to election. So we're prepping for 2020, which is in Tarot and numerology, the year of the emperor and we are ending the year of the empress what a wonderful beautiful year it has been for those who have been journeying their empress it's absolutely timely for the full moon of 2019, according to the Gregorian calendar, okay? Let me just kinda take a moment and realize, our calendar is based off of the Gregorian calendar, which is a calendar that was implemented, um, I believe it was around the 1600s, might be the 1300s, by uh, a ruler, a king, who wanted there to be more structure, according to um, his understanding of time. But before that, most people lived by the moon. So as much as um, it's 2019 in December, you know the reality is it's just another cycle of the moon, and it's we're encroaching the winter solstice. Okay, (laughs) it's really not. You know it's going to be okay. When we break life down to decimals and decimal, you know uh, numbers, we're really eradicating femininity. I know we love numbers, and I know masculinity loves data but guess what we don't have it all figured out okay so we're going to embrace the lunar cycle and the seasons is 2020 coming up yes it is and we're going to be just fine but it is pretty interesting that we're landing on a full moon in Gemini because Gemini is a cerebral zodiac sign it's an air sign along with Aquarius and Libra and air is all about intellect It's ruled by the planet Mercury, which is absolutely stunning, by the way. I highly recommend you do some research on the beauty of planet Mercury. If you are involved in the healing arts of some kind, you will often hear people talk about Mercury going into retrograde and it being this really big, crazy thing. Mercury's in retrograde. (laughs) I can't speak to anyone right now. Oh my god, I can't do anything. Mercury's in retrograde. Basically, what that means is the planets start going um, the other direction. But people get really nervous about when Mercury goes into retrograde because Mercury is the planet of communication. Air is all about cerebral communication. Uh, I have an Aquarius sun, (laughs) but my Mercury is in Pisces. So uh, is my Mercury in Pisces? I think so. It could be the wine. I can't remember. But let me double check. Yeah, my Mercury is and Pisces. So, but, you know, Aquarians and Libras and Geminis are airy. They're heady. They talk a lot. They process a lot. Um, there's a lot of desire to communicate in that space. But we also have to remember, friends, that we have choice. Okay, you're not, you're not a cog, in the cosmic universal joke of God sneezed, where you no longer have the capacity to stop speaking. You have complete control, Okay, So please remember, are we guided by the planets? Absolutely. But do we have the capacity to make decisions that are healthy and right for us? Absolutely. So it's a fine balance between mystery and reality, right? So let me tell you a little bit about Mercury according to NASA. Hang one second. second, let me get a sip of my Cabernet Sauvignon. So, <clears throat> Mercury is the swiftest planet. It's a terrestrial type of planet, and one year in Mercury is comparable to 88 Earth days. It's the smallest planet in our solar system, and it's the planet that's nearest to the sun, And it's only slightly larger than Earth's moon. Isn't that interesting? From the surface of Mercury, the sun would appear more than three times as large as it does when viewed from Earth. (laughs) God, that sounds devastating. (laughs) And the sunlight would be as much as seven times (laughs) brighter. (laughs) That's awful. (laughs) Despite its proximity to the sun, Mercury is not the hottest planet in our solar system. That title belongs to Venus. Mm, Peruge. You know how I love her. So yes, we are in a full moon in Gemini, ruled by the planet Mercury. And it's the last full moon of the Gregorian calendar year, 2019, December. Can you believe it? (laughs) What a strange, bizarre year. I'd like to open this episode with a story for you that I think is really important and relevant to the emotional and cerebral pull that has been happening for pretty much everyone that I know over 2019. And it revolves around uh, a client that came in for trauma recovery last week. And to protect their privacy, they will be referred to as Martina, Martina. And we will say that Martina came in last week with her mother. She's seven years old and she was seeking treatment for her mood swings and um, her ability or, or her frustration with her sadness. In the process of me doing an assessment you know friends at this point in time I'm starting to add up I'm about I'm at about 1500 to 1700 clients served and about over a thousand diagnoses so as I was assessing Martina I learned that something had happened to her and it happened two years and eight months ago And I offer this story to you as an opportunity to really prepare us as a people and as a collective in understanding our role in society and why it's really important to live with intention and to honor the feminine and the value of emotion and the value of the body and the value of the planet and feeling and blood and pleasure and tenderness, and mystery. Martina, when she was five years old, her father, even though he had papers, to live in the United States of America, was deported. And she now is so traumatized, her homework assignments, she turns in to creating document papers, papers of documentation, In hopes that she can create something to help bring her father back to the States it has been two years and eight months since he has been in the States he lived here for 20 years and was um, legal according to his paperwork there was in um, there was he her father had no record he had no tickets There was an issue that took place while coming back from their country back into the States and instead of resolving it, they deported him. And so Martina now lives in a world where her trauma is so severe at the loss of her father within one hour while they were on their way to dinner as a family, um, she creates documentation papers for her homework. And she lives here in the Inland Empire. After this happened, Martina told me that, or Martina's mom told me that they lost everything. They lost their home. They lost all of their belongings. And because Martina's mom is disabled, she has difficulty finding employment. And out of the love that he has for his family, Martina's father encouraged them to stay in the States while he lives in their country, their country of origin. And they try to go see him every two weeks. And Martina really struggles with this and uh, weeps hysterically every time she has to say goodbye. While I was listening to this story, Um, It took my breath away because Martina is being put into a category of um, having a learning disability, which happens often in the academic setting for children who are traumatized. And they shuffle them to mental health providers for a diagnosis that is inapplicable because the school system doesn't know what to do with children who are hurting. And I, it is un, I ethically do not diagnose children unless they absolutely need it. But <clears throat> she starts, she's struggling in school. And her teachers are having a hard time figuring out how to help her. So it was really important that um, I was able to be there for her in that moment and to apologize to her for the pain that she felt. So after her mother had informed me of what had happened to the family two years and eight months ago, all I could do was look at Martina and say, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. And after I apologized to her for her pain, her eyes began to well up with tears. And she began to cry. And and that was it. She began to cry. And her mother, with all of her resilience and capacity, encouraged her that she was going to be okay and that they would see their father soon so now it's my job as martina's therapist to help martina process this trauma and to give her hope of some kind but i would be remiss if i didn't acknowledge the impact that war and borders and misogyny and consumerism has on children and how that impacts my life as a, so- as a social worker every day. And it's really important for me to share Martina's story with each of you because she's only seven. And already she's been severely traumatized because of things that we can control if we decide to care enough to talk about it and take action. I wanted to share that story because as a social worker I've seen and I've worked with a lot of things, especially after being in the field for almost 14 years. But it's been a really long time since I've had my my breath taken from me over a story, and I've heard like, awful, awful stories, and this is surely one that I will never forget. And I offer it to everyone who is listening because I'd like to remind us that Jesus was a dark-skinned immigrant who was policed for speaking truth to power and was murdered because he refused to say anything but power corrupts. Again, I would like to remind everybody who's listening that Jesus was a dark skinned immigrant who was policed by people of privilege for speaking truth to power. And he was brutally and unlawfully murdered because they were afraid of the truth that he spoke. When we look back on the human story, please let's be mindful of the prophets and who and what they were and how they lived. If they were not dark-skinned and they were prophets like St. Francis of Assisi, please be mindful of how he lived. St. Francis was a rich kid who said sayonara to all of the money that he had and went to love God's creatures and make things like houses for poor people. Let's be mindful of the radical message behind Jesus that created a religion, not the exploitation and utilization of colonization through religion that created some sort of fuddy-duddy Jesus guy who works in a coffee shop. Somewhere roasting coffee beans, waiting for you to find the Lord because you prayed some prayer and gave him a bookcase for his Bible. That's not who Jesus was. Moving forward. I'd like to give you my final thoughts on Enneagram. And I hope that Enneagram and me walking through Enneagram has been helpful for you this season. It's been a really fun experience for me. I have been utilizing Enneagram off and on for the past eight years. And in my time of incredible spiritual darkness, when I was going through Dark Nights of the Soul, I clung to Enneagram because I needed something to remind myself that I was going to get through the incredible amount of, um, sorrow that I felt over, 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 overwhelmed by. And it was really Enneagram that gave me permission to be fucked up. And I share that with each of you because, you know, As an eight, I'm put into a category of having to lead people. And it's an incredible amount of pressure. You know, just by nature, by God's design, I'm a leader. I can't do anything about it. Trust me, I assure you, I've tried. And if I could make my life, if I could be, um, you know, a follower, no, I wouldn't, I would never be a follower. But sometimes I like to think that I would be because it's a lot of pressure being a leader. So when I was in my dark night of the soul and really like, you know, questioning my own capacity to carry the weight of my life, it was Enneagram who kept that kept me rooted. So I offer this tool to you as something to pull out of your back pocket when you are genuinely unsure of who you are. To remind you that you are the one who determines who you are based off of how well you know yourself and your life experiences. And it's also a really beautiful reminder that you are just a blurb in a mess and a sea of human beings who are trying to figure out who they are. Um, and or make peace with it and or just live life simply, right? There is not one that is better than the other. We have compassion and forgiveness for one another. There is peace and freedom there. There is grace there. There is forgiveness there. And while those practices can take an incredible amount of time to come full circle, I strongly encourage you, embrace them, embrace the practice of forgiveness, embrace the practice of grace, embrace the practice of mercy, you know do these things not because you want to pretend that someone did not hurt you do them so that you can let go of the hurt that you've caused yourself by um, not being able to reconcile that the pain um, was immense and, and really made you question who you were So in that regard, I hope Enneagram is helpful for you. I love Enneagram. I think it's a wonderful personality profile tool. I highly recommend it over any others. I think a lot of the other ones um, are just genuinely really shallow and don't give much depth. When we look at Enneagram, we are looking at a dense tool. You know, Oscar Ichacio, when he created Enneagram, he had done an immense amount of research on mysticism and put it all into this really lovely space. So embrace that, you know, embrace the opportunity to explore and expand yourself in that regard and use it as a tool to help you make peace, not just with yourself, but with others. And please always feel free to reach out if you have any questions about Enneagram or if you'd like me to come to your your work and train your staff on Enneagram. I've done that before. Shout out to my dear friend, Christy. Her and I have done some wonderful work here in the Inland Empire together at local nonprofits surrounding Enneagram and allowing people to utilize it in the workspace so that there can be a healthier work environment. So thank you so much, Christy, for giving me the opportunity to train our staff with Enneagram. Um, A multitude, a a number of times. I love you very much. Um, You're the best. (laughs) There are other self-awareness tools that I'd like to share with you. And I hope that they can be helpful, but they're not nearly as powerful, in my opinion, as enneagram or a natal chart. So those are Myers Briggs. That's like an INFJ or an ENFP. These types of things. There's also strengths finders. That's kind of it's very coffee shop fuddy duddy, you know. I don't know H and M shopping personality type, but what strengths finders did provide for me was information on the gift of woo and if i never knew that i had the gift of woo i wouldn't have realized um, my capacity to want to win people over and that was really something that helped me quite a bit so i am going to give a bit of a nod to strengths finders and then there's another personality profile and it's called disc d-i-s-c that one is pretty profound And it is quite helpful. But again, as far as I'm concerned, if you've got your natal chart and your Enneagram number, you should be good to go. And those two tools in and of themselves should give you enough foundation to really hone in on your strengths, your weaknesses, and where you fit in in the grand scheme of life. Some other really important ways that you can identify your personality and where you come from are, you know, identify the neighborhood you grew up in. This is really helpful. I'm going to give you some social work information. This is some data, and this is going to help you understand what it actually means to be a social worker and why our curriculum is so different compared to Um, All other mental health providers. So social workers really love data and we really love research and we really love census information because we're looking at biopsychosocial spiritual makeup of a person from a micro meso macro perspective. So a meso perspective is the community. A macro perspective is the community at large and then the micro is the self. When we look at where somebody grew up in the neighborhood that they belong to, we're looking at things like socioeconomic bracket or socioeconomic status, income bracket, crime rates, race, identity, and ethnicity, according to census data, which is really a way to oppress people and maintain redlining, by the way. And all of that information, if you don't know what redlining is, it's a way to oppress black and brown people and keep them in some of the most toxic areas in cities, and it was completely legal until the late 80s. Redlining maintained power over black and brown human beings, Um, and a great example of a redlining is DAPL. When When pipelines get put into place, they circumnavigate communities like privileged communities because they prefer red zones and red zones um are ways to oppress black and brown people from a government a governmental perspective a systemic perspective or um, a systemic avenue So when we look at neighborhoods and we're looking at socioeconomic statuses and we're identifying things like redlining and practices of exploiting people on a legal systemic level, that really helps us understand where we come from. If you come from a community that's privileged primarily, you're really looking at um, a privileged perspective. That's a lot of blue collar. You know, that's a lot of... um, you know, ideations, you know, ideas of deserving of things, you know, I you know, I worked hard for it, I deserve it, you know, that type of perspective versus a perspective of an immigrant or a perspective of a refugee, where you come here to work. And even when you're working, people are angry with you and think that you're taking their jobs, right? So those are other really good ways to identify who you are and where you come from you should really look into medium in the median median income i think I've, i think i drank a little too much wine <laughs> thanks Lord. you're the best <laughs> you want to look at median income levels for your community identify what is the average amount of money that people in your city make that's going to help you figure out where you fit in the overall standard of us american living if you make below 65 grand you're below average if you make above sixty five grand, you're above average. Keep in mind, we are including cities like New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, San Diego, um, extremely overpriced cities um, into cities like you know Des Moines, Iowa. That's not nearly as expensive to live in. Nevertheless, the overall average income for the United States of America, the U.S. American, is 66 grand. So if you make below that, you are below average. If you make above it, you are above. Those are really great ways to figure out who you are and to be aware of yourself um, and what you're bringing to the table when you're in a social setting, as well as figure out your perspective and how did you get it. Additionally, some other things to note If you were a person of color in a community that was primarily privileged You absolutely were marginalized If you were a person of privilege that was in a community of color, you absolutely were not marginalized Those are really important things for me to say Oftentimes people who are of privilege who grow up in communities that are of color There is some difficulty in adapting and adjusting, but that's not marginalization It's just adjusting to reality with a privileged lens and it's actually quite it is difficult but there's a big difference because when you are a person of color who's in a community of privilege you're dealing with I'm not I'm not trying to say that people you know communities of color that there's no struggle with um, colorism or racism but we're looking at racism and colorism from a systemic perspective versus um a sociological implication. So that's really important. You know, racism and colorism, it exists from like the prison industrial complex and policing of black and brown human beings. The prison industrial complex and policing of privileged people isn't a thing. So when we look at racism and colorism, we have to look at it from a systemic perspective and really allow ourselves to understand the role that we play depending on that type of understanding of community that we come from just a little information to to note a couple of other things please look into where you come from i can tell you a lot about my lineage and where i come from i have celtic roots i have slavic roots i have indigenous roots Uh, i you know um, our family knows where we come from to a great extent on both sides of my family that's really important and it's kept me really grounded throughout the years and it helps me give honor to both sides of my identity and it also keeps me aware of um, facts and realities so I strongly encourage you look into your lineage and go back further than just like your great-grandparents go to your great 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 grandparents, really look into the depths of your history, your human story, and your bloodline, and that will really help you be self-aware as well. Hang on one second, let me get some wine. Lastly, when it comes to self-awareness, the final tools that I'd like to offer you are consider who's influencing you. What perspectives are you carrying? What are the systems you're able to swim in and bypass? And who is it that you are giving permission to influence your life? These are extremely important. If you if your immediate circle is made up of like the same kind of people that you, the same type of person you are, or people who don't challenge you, or people who do whatever you want, those are like major red flags. You should really have a friend circle that is made up of different ethnic backgrounds and heritages, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different um, education backgrounds, and different family dynamics, you should genuinely know what it's like to live life with someone who is not like you in any capacity. And if you don't know that, then you have a very myopic lens and you're really missing out on the value of being self-aware because the more you know about yourself by um, allowing other people who are not like you into your life, the more opportunity you give yourself to grow. My friends, I hope that throughout autumn as I have provided you tools to learn about your self-awareness, your mental health, your healing and your growth, that you are able to journey this space with humility and compassion. Have compassion for yourself and for other people. And recognize that the more you know about who you are, the less harm you can cause to others. It's just a simple, easy thing. It it doesn't have to be complex, though it most likely could be if you are someone (laughs) like myself who's ridiculously complex. Um, But at the end of the day, it doesn't have to be. If you have experienced trauma of any kind, it will be difficult for you. Trauma makes the brain complex. In that space, please seek mental health treatment and support. I know a number of LMFTs in my life who are amazing. And I am an LCSW who will advocate for nearly every LCSW you could ever meet. Seek out these support systems and these networks to help you gain footing and groundedness, and to really help you process anything that could keep you from feeling comfortable and safe in being who you are exactly. I really hope and pray that this information has been helpful to you. We are blessed to be here under this Gemini cerebral energy, laying a foundation of growth surrounding self-awareness and Enneagram. I'm blessed to talk to you about this story or to provide you the amazing, beautiful story of Martina um, and blessed that I can journey with her through her trauma and her recovery. Please offer up the children in the community that you live uh, in prayer. Life is very difficult for them, especially young. You know, I work with 17 down to six years old And I cannot tell you how difficult life is for young people. Please pray for these individuals because there's a lot of pain happening. Additionally, as we round out the year, be mindful that there is hope for all of us That we can overcome the emotional pain of 2019 through our decisions to have hard dialogues and to be um, comfortable with change. We don't have to hold on to the past. It's gone, my friends. Don't cling to that shit. Let it fucking go. (laughs) Let it go, dude. You do not have to be who you were five years ago, yesterday, or even this morning. Be who you are right now. Make the changes that you need to be to embrace the healthiest, most healthiest, safest version of yourself. Lastly, I will see you. Our next episode will hit on the solstice. That is the 21st. I welcome winter with all of my heart. I love winter. Yes, please. Bring me all the winter. I cannot wait for winter as we approach the next election season. If you are in Riverside, you will see me as an active member of the Democratic Socialist Party. Yes, my friends, I'm socialist and I'm proud and I think Jesus was as well. If you'd like to have a dialogue with me about that, you are more than welcome to as long as it's civil Um, I also recognize the role of capitalism and understand that I am also a a capitalist to an extent. Nevertheless, I believe that human life is far more important than money. So you can see me doing some Q&As in the city of Riverside. We're going to be talking about Medicare and Medi-Cal as well as social justice and the work surrounding mental health, um, the triggers that have taken place under this administration. The increase of mental health treatment that I have seen, um, primarily for folks of color, for female survivors, and for members of the LGBTQIA plus community, particularly the trans community members, there has been an incredible increase of needing mental health and emotional support. So... Keep an eye out for me. Um, Come and join one of my dialogues. I'll give you a heads up as to when they will be held. Thanks so much for being here. I will see you on the solstice, my friends. Have compassion for yourself. Embrace the cerebral energy of Gemini and recognize that Mercury, the ruling planet of Gemini, is all about being communicative, however best you can communicate, my friends embrace it and do it entirely without shame and don't hold yourself to a standard of perfection just try all right i'll see you on the solstice many blessings to each of you happy full moon our last one of 2019 oh my gosh If you would like to engage the feminine dialogue, please feel free to send an email to Priscilla Hine, LCSW at gmail.com. Additionally, when you search for us on Apple Podcasts or share us with your friends, remind them and yourself to give us a five-star rating.